Um, three, two, one. Okay. Uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the second episode of the 15-Minute Podcast with your host, Dajor Rahman. Um, right here, we have a very special guest for our second episode. We have Kay C. Ginsberg. Um, and a little bit about Kay is she's working as a blockchain consultant as of now, and blockchain being a really hype word. She also has her, uh, she also has a startup called Perks, which we're going to be going into a little bit further. Uh, then we also have a background experience in private consultancy. She's been a head of partnerships. She's been VP of business development, and she's had a bunch of investment business analyst roles in the past. Um, going forward, I, I think our audience is going to really enjoy our conversation, Kate. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. And thank you for the invitation. I'm always happy to uh, do a couple public service announcements and see how I can help in this community. Um, yeah, so kind of like a quick background on myself. I um, basically spent a large time of my career or professional career in traditional asset management. I um, was a licensed broker. I work in private client. I didn't have my own book. Um, I, you know, it was always a challenge before because in, you know, minority and being a woman, like it's, it's always a question. And plus, I think I look young. And so it's always a question of like, I, it was always already an imaginary glass ceiling, essentially. And, and this is what I love about crypto or blockchain in general. It's just like, you know, it's, I call it the great equalizer, essentially. Um, in 2017, I kind of like finally took a step back and, I'll, and I just lost confidence in the value of my money. And I said, so I started doing research and um, got introduced fully to what Bitcoin was really all about. I, I finally read the Satoshi, you know, the white paper. And then um, I, I kind of said, hey, this is like a worthy asset class. And I come from this framework where I cannot sell anything that I don't believe in. Um, so for example, in my undergrad years, I used to work for a, a Japanese restaurant. And the question always was like, oh, what will you eat here? And luckily the restaurant was, you know, very, very, um, had a lot of good things in their menu. Actually a hundred percent of it I would eat essentially. Um, but it's always like, you know, I can, yes, I can sell a fridge to, um, you know, up in like none of it, but it has to work, right? And that's what I thought blockchain is. And, and what the power of it was. And so I um, started looking at doing my research to just be like, I want to be able to serve um, traditional markets and give them this option, especially when it's so high friction um, to get or, or participate into crypto. And so I um, joined a, a startup then called 3IQ and I launched the first Bitcoin fund for Canada, essentially. And also we started off with um, a multi-crypto fund for accredited investors only, but it had Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Litecoin. And the purpose was to do a use case to say, you know what, it's a natural hedge just to participate. We're not gonna actively trade it, but there's no such thing. No one's doing a cold storage in the same way that we are contemplating this because the idea was that we wanted to put the fund into, in Canada, our version of IRA or registered accounts, right? Um, that was a long game. And eventually, and so we worked with the Ontario Securities Commission because we wanted to put um, a particular product in the public hands through prospectus, essentially. Um, after that, a great success, I decided that I wanted to delve more into blockchain. I got introduced to my co-founder CEO, um, Chinmay Patel. Um, 
at, at that time, he is basically running BlockX Labs, which is an agency type of model. And they basically plug, plug traditional companies into blockchain. And they have RBC as a client or Deloitte Ventures. They've created like Web3 wallets, uh, sorry, web wa- wallets essentially, or DEXs before DEX was even a DEX essentially. And um, I, uh, when I got introduced to Chinmay, I had this other project about NFTs and he said, you know, and he said, I like your vision, let's talk in the next couple of months. And so true, true to his word, um, Shopify um, essentially approached him and, um, Obviously, Shopify is like, you know, it's essentially Waterloo founded in a way, right? Um, similar to Ethereum. And uh, so a lot of people, a lot of people don't know that bit of information that, you know, it, Ethereum was actually founded by Vitalik, Vitalik. Yuri, who was who was in Waterloo at the time. Um, Correct. That's, that's a pretty crazy story. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. But you could see that a ta- lots of talent there, like Blackberry is also Waterloo, right? So or Rim. So, you know, so thanks to to visionaries such as Shopify and also um, Vitalik, you know, and, and what he's done to basically, you know, uh, help this this um, this mindset, essentially. So anyway, like, um, like we got approached to basically say, can you figure out a solution where our stores or our merchants are able to sell NFTs using Shopify? And that's when we kind of like spun off this NFT component from BlockX and, and, and Perks came into being. And so we got incorporated in July. We actually didn't incorporate until we signed our first client. And, uh, and then we're off to the races now. So we're like just seven months in, kind of like that. And we've done like tremendous projects. Uh, did um, the drop for Budweiser NFT, did the drop for Super Plastic, did dr- the drop for... Um, for Robert Mondavi, and they're all right now on Ethereum blockchain. But then so, we're also finding, yes. So, so a real question, Kay. So when you say you, you did the drop uh, for Budweiser and for all these naming brands, do you mean like in terms of like it's marketing? Do you mean in terms of like it's it's like services, like doing the whole NFT procedure? Great question. No, we, um, we focus on what we're strong at and that's plugging into blockchain. So not the entire NFT campaign. We partner with... Uh, creative agencies. In this case, it was Robert. Uh, I mean, uh, it was Vayner NFT or Vayner Media. They come up with. We have like, ideas on that, obviously, but we try not to um, step on people's toes, especially on what their their model is. We say we stick to what we're strong at, and that is putting things into blockchain. And then, in this case, making that plugging the NFTs into Ethereum, essentially, and and leveraging. Um, Shopify to do that because if you um, same model where um, typically to buy into NFTs you have to be a crypto native you go into OpenSea and you plug in your MetaMask wallet and then you must have gas fees already to pay for you know the uh, and the gas fees fees meaning to say you have to have Ethereum or whatever blockchain you're using in order to purchase right the way we've done it through the storefront is that people can buy and you either check out using Coinbase or you check out using Visa MasterCard. And then we, on the claim, that's when we uh, mint and straight deliver. And so part of the cost of the, um, how NFTs are priced has the gas fees component built in into the pricing already. And that's a key feature, right? And that way there's no drop in sales. And when you try to purchase, it's more like 
when you clean, you just have to enter your MetaMask wallet as opposed to having Ethereum already in it. So that's a way for us to address uh, you know, the buying friction. And in addition to as well, is that we can, um, we're also piggybacking on the option of, for example, for the Budweiser, obviously the content is in the US 21 plus, or it could be region gated depending on where you are in the world. Um, we, can, we can basically do that in such a way that you can market an NFT that um, is sensitive content, for example, and still be compliant. And the other key piece as well, which is huge, right, is um, a lot of the large traditional companies, uh, some of their big four auditors are advising them to say, we're not ready for you guys to carry NF Ethereum on your, on your balance sheet. And so we act as a conduit to enable that. So it's a, really the most compliant way of, of um, selling NFTs. So Park is essentially doing stuff that um, the big four, such as Deloitte, KPMG, EY, PwC, are not being able to do, which is like in terms of like compliance with NFTs and with the, the federal law or like the financial regulations that are coming. In with. Right. Essentially. Yeah. Um, it, the Not necessarily. Um, yeah. In, in, in many ways. Yes. And the other thing as well to think about is that are NFTs taxable? So, you know, we, we, can do, we can make it taxable if you want, you know, depending on the brand that we're working with and just say, hey, if you want to make sure there's no clawback eventually, you know, put taxes in, like you were selling photos or something. But, um, but the really, the other value that we're finding with NFTs, because right now everybody's trying to mint, everybody wants to minting, but hardly anyone's cheating. And so that's the other angle that we're looking at right now is more like, you know what, let's prove it's not a glorified JPEG, right? And what we're able to do is right now, also on Ethereum, is that we're able to pull NFTs and, what, and look at their attributes. And then based on that, those attributes and validity of ownership, then and then you can only then purchase a, an exclusive merchandise or access an exclusive event. Yeah. Got it. Got it, Kay. That's a really well thought out answer uh, to the first question. All right. So, um, so for anybody who's wondering, like, um, what you do right now, uh, you just explained that beautifully in terms of like Perks as being the co-founder and then also working as a blockchain consultant. But what led you to this current position? Like what made you motivated to just like skip the rope and go find your own company as long as going to blockchain consultancy, whereas you were, your background is in traditional finance and as an, as an investment analyst for the most majority of part of your career? Yeah, um, I think the first thing is like, I you know, you got to be, so I, I think in the mindset of, of want to be an athlete, you know, you got to love what you're doing, right? And uh, for me, I love, you know, looking at do, doing due diligence for various, you know, uh, investment classes and, and like ideas on how to product, package a product and, and, and make it worth, institutional worthy or worthy for investors to participate in. Um, like for me, it was like, I come from like a very passionate kind of like, uh, you know, mindset where, you know what, I kind of didn't, I couldn't offer anything else new. It's super saturated already on the traditional, you know, finance side. So I was just like, well, I would like to be the, de not, not the de facto, but I would like to be sort of like an expert in a way in, in blockchain and, and help people that and meet the requirements of those people on the traditional side um, and, and being able to explain 
uh, blockchain and, 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 and a different asset class in general, and then figure out a solution so that you can kind of like help bridge that gap, right? Because the future is essentially blockchain, like cats out of the bag, you know, you, there's no way to stuff stuff Bitcoin back into like mm-hmm. wherever it came from and, and just say, and pretend it doesn't exist. And, and this is what I, if the ethos essentially or the vision meets my, um, uh, you know, my future outlook in life and how I want to be as a person, then I, this is kind of like what evolves in my mindset to just be like, okay, this is where the future is and this is what I want to participate in essentially. And, and this is why um, it's, you could see that a lot of the people who are in crypto, it's a very sticky market. So there were a lot of terms that were like put out there for the audience that doesn't really understand that much. Web3 is basically a transition from oh, having you utilizing Google as a as a service, as a platform to essentially going into blockchain services and replacing those services um, from 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 um, companies like Google who are so big at this point, but then they also sell your data. So there's a data privacy issue there. Um, and I think I think you've really put it very well, okay, uh, in terms of like what you need to do in order to be a blockchain consultant, which is you really need to believe in the tech. First and foremost, you need to understand and study the tech. Uh, and then you have to provide the utility that this beautiful tech brings. Uh, into the future. Um, so for people listening about um, and want to go into consultancy and specifically blockchain consultancy, this is the episode to listen to. Um, okay, so the next question that I have is, what's your perspective on consultancy from when you were in university uh, in comparison to now? And has that changed? 100%. Actually, great question, because when I was coming out of undergrad, I thought that I was going to work with BCG or the likes of Accenture and just be a business analyst in a way, right? Um, And obviously I didn't get hired by any of those. In fact, I didn't even get an interview. Um, I I actually went into uh, traditional finance by not even related to anything that I've done. It's more like um, the, uh, as I was speaking with a headhunter, a recruitment agency who basically said, oh, you, you, you worked in UK for like a summer, really love that. Uh, can you start tomorrow? <laughs> Pretty much. But it's just like grit, really. I remembered like being working back office for like three months at Scotia Capital, for example. Um, and you know what? Actually, traditional finance is fantastic. The cool thing about it is, is that it depends which, which side you are. I was exposed to capital markets and literally you have to be a jack of all trades. You have to synthesize information really, really fast and learn about every market because you have to study whether or not it's a viable like investment opportunity, right? And so I read a lot, had access to research, learn how to trade, uh, you know, and with me, I, um, for me, customer service was like um, a, a key thing because, you know, I used to serve when I was an undergrad. So, uh, if if you figure out what your strengths are and you work towards that, you 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 kind of like get noticed. And so you know, I remember early in my in my career where I would get comments from people or from clients who would actually write me an email in pink. I don't know why, but they were like, actually, one of the best um, uh, compliments I got from one client was just like, "Hey, um, I felt like they hired hired you specifically just for me." to cater for me. And, you know, because of the, you know, very high impact and also the way I 
I handled myself with, with, with dealing with these customers, it's almost like there's no one else, right? And so that's a kind of a key thing. But because of that bandwidth of like uh, clientele that I'm serving, I get exposed to alternative assets and alternative um, concept. And so, and, and now being a, a thought leader in that space, that's kind of like how you really segue into consultancy. You, you can't be a consultant not having the experience or the, the knowledge, right, in order to, to do that. And so it's, it's important to kind of like be there to actually do the grunt work. But then once you already have that knowledge base, that's when things shift. And now I get approached for consultancies for things that people have no idea about, specifically for blockchain, for example. Like before, it would just be like, okay, tell me about packaging um, a traditional product. But now the consultancy gigs that I get would be like, how do you package a product that is peppered with, with blockchain or peppered with Bitcoin? And now I'm the only one who's able to answer that because of my experience. There you go. I mean, it's such an early industry in the blockchain industry as a whole. And then you have compared that with the traditional consulting industry or, or the traditional finance industry. And everybody wants a piece of the cake in terms of like the innovative solutions that will be coming forward to. Um, I'll ask you my next question, which is, uh, do you have tips on how to network effectively? Um, and that goes like cross industry overall. And is there a topic you wish uh, someone would ask you about? Oh, um, okay. How to network effectively. Um, smile and be open. Um, I, uh, oh, you know, I think if you approach things in such a way that you're like a receptacle where you're like, you know what, I'm an open book and keep an open mind, even if hold back a little bit, even if you have like strong ideas, which I certainly do, but let's hear you out first. I think that's how I approach it. And also be naturally curious, you know, um, because you have no idea. The way I functionally network is that I do not charge for anything. I basically say, hey, you know, obviously it's just so long as the people don't fully brain vampire you. But I, I think at the end of the day, what happens is that if you connect people with other people, um, that's where they come back. And then, you know, months later, years later, something comes back to just be like, okay, I know this person as, you know, you always have to, give something you don't ask in, in the very beginning and I think that's where um where it's really powerful and people will really kind of like think about that you've helped them solve an issue essentially that that's a beautiful way of saying it um I, I have my last question because we're like running out of time is what's uh what advice would you give someone who wants to pursue a similar career path as you so essentially the whole investment analyst or like business analyst and then going into blockchain or say for example someone who's already in their co-ops worked as a business analyst and now want to go into blockchain so or anybody who just wants to pursue a career there yes um you know what uh under spare time read as much you know look at what how DAOs are being formed which is uh decentralized autonomous organizations understand different types of blockchain and what the use cases are. Um, you know, you will hear a lot of, oh, Ethereum uses a lot of energy, it's not ESG friendly. Uh, yes and no, you know, uh, Christmas lights aren't ESG friendly, you know, no one's questioning that. So you have to take everything that you hear, a grain of salt, do your own research. It's very, very key. 
also, um, back to networking, don't be afraid to network. Don't be afraid to like reach out and send out one liner or try to add somebody, you know, the worst that you're going to get is an absolute no, no problem. It didn't really hurt you. Right. It just, it's just time on your end. Yeah. That's very helpful. All right. Kay. Um, with that, um, our time has run, uh, and it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast for the second episode. Uh, for the two, for the audience that is tuning in, uh, you can visit Kay on LinkedIn. I, we will have her LinkedIn profile uh, linked in within our Instagram page. And for people who are listening or who are viewing, uh, you can have uh, this episode be available to you on LinkedIn, uh, on our LCC LinkedIn page, as well as our Instagram page at LCC.